Hi everyone, my name's Johnny Scott and I'd like to welcome you to Phoenix On Demand, or POD as we like to call it. This is episode 4, series 2 in our schedule of podcasts where we will help educate and hopefully entertain you on all things IT. Speaking on a recent webinar co-hosted by Public Technology, Civil Service World and SAP, Dip Dillon said that across Whitehall, COVID has exposed lots of manual processes that relied on legacy technology and could not support the mobile working or the speed of change that we've seen over the last year. We know that the last year has been challenging as we've both seen and heard some of the obstacles that healthcare, government and education have been faced with. However, with these challenges have come a variety of opportunities to do things differently, to improve services, streamline processes and move into a more digital world. This is something that we've witnessed firsthand and that we've been lucky enough to have been involved with. So to shine a light on some of the great work and innovation we've seen and are planning, we've asked the head of each of our sales teams to join us today to discuss their sectors, but also gain a bigger picture of how the UK public sector as a whole has rapidly adopted to put people at the centre of all they do. Ensure they're in a stronger place to recover and deliver improved services for the citizens, patients, students and tenants that they serve. So we are joined by Debbie Dean from Education, Ben Lopez from Healthcare, Lucy Collings and Paul Scaling covering local and regional government, central government, police and fire and rescue. And finally, Greg Dean from our housing and charity and non-profit sector. So hi everyone, how are you all doing? Hi oh, Johnny. Good. Thanks Johnny. Hi Johnny, yourself? Hi. Uh... Yeah, very well, glad to have you all with me on pod. So can we start by giving our listeners a bit of a background on you and your experience within the industry and your current roles within the industry? So can we start with you, Debbie, please? Yeah, of course, Johnny. Um, so Debbie Dean, I'm the director of the education sales team at Phoenix. Um, I've been in role um, for about four years now as the head of the education sector, um, but I've actually been in IT for 28 years, I think it is, or, or creeping up to that bit. Um, so I work very, very closely with the team of account managers, um, which I have 25, which is growing year on year. Um, through demand um, and fully supported through many specialists around uh, around Phoenix. Um, and we really support the higher education research institutes, colleges and schools. Great, glad to have you with us, Debs. And Lucy, over to you next, please. Hi, everybody. I'm Lucy Collins. I'm a public sector manager here at Phoenix um, and I look after local and regional government and also some of the blue light customers that we have. Cheers, Lucy. It's great to have you with us. Paul, over to you. Yeah. Hi, Johnny. Thanks for having me on. Yep. So Paul Scaling, um, another member of the public sector um, sales team, one of the managers there. So I've been in industry 20 years now uh, with Phoenix, um, just over 12 years. Uh, my role is supporting a number of account managers that work in the local and regional government sector, the central government sector, and also our blue light sector, which is police and fire. Great to have you with us, Paul. Uh, ben, next over to you, please. Yeah, hi, Johnny. Uh, thanks for inviting me to the call today. Um, my name is Ben Lopez. I head up the healthcare team at, at Phoenix Software. Um, similarly, I've been at the uh, the company now with Phoenix for about 16 years, so uh, near on a lifetime. So, um, 
Yeah, I, heading up the, the healthcare team um, specifically, we, we look after, you know, acute mental health trusts, uh, communities, um, lots of different types of trusts, as well as central government bodies that actually look after the, um, the trusts themselves, um, as well as collaborating uh, across the integrated care networking system um, with other bodies such as local and regional government and that kind of thing. Great, glad to have you with us, Ben. And last but by no means least, Greg. Hi, Johnny. Thanks for thanks for having us invited to this today. So yeah, Greg Dean and I head up our charity and housing team. I'm actually in my 20th year with Phoenix and I think 22, 23 years in the industry. So yeah, we, we look after a whole range of charity, not-for-profit customers and housing association customers. And that ranges from the very smallest to some of the, the largest sort of enterprise-sized customers you, and brands that you'd expect to, to hear in those sectors too. Great, thank you all for those introductions. So I'm going to ask a few questions. Um, I'll I'll start by asking them uh, to the floor. So you know, feel free to to dive in and discuss any of the points raised by me or by anyone else. So I'm sure you'll all agree that while it's been challenging over the last 12 months, the overriding takeaway is that many have grasped the opportunity and accelerated their plans to ensure that they can still provide the services that they're relied upon for. So can we just discuss what sticks out in your minds for your sectors and how you've seen your sector adapt and transform and of course give some examples? So um yeah, Johnny, um, it's been a remarkable year, to be honest, um, and I would say the education sector um, have been so agile um, to react to, to, you know, what's happened with the pandemic um, and the switch from being on campus to off campus. I mean, huge challenges there, significant demands on the infrastructure, etc. When you're thinking of the numbers of, you know, two and a half million students and half a million staff that instantly had to, to switch to remote working, um, they've done an absolute incredible job. And obviously it's been very, very frantic. And then four weeks in, really, um, you started to see security breaches. So it was, you know, a case of um, not just getting the remote working um, up and running making sure everything, um, you know, is working correctly. It's then securing the infrastructure um, and that was I mean that's been ongoing but you know just simply you know the two multi-factor auth authentication um, down to sim solutions it's it's been absolutely non-stop with the security side of things but I think overall what sticks in my mind um, and it's not just talking higher education it's it's you know the whole of the education is really you know, when you think about education, it's been structured, it's meant to be delivered um, in person, in lecture halls, it's meant to be in classroom. So actually delivering content that was structured to be face-to-face -face has been um, very, very difficult to do and sometimes quite impossible. We might have the platforms and, and been able to collaborate, but it's the content that's been very, very difficult to go into a digital kind of world. So what we're seeing now, um, which, um, you know, we're having lots of conversations, we talk about hybrid, but it doesn't quite cut the mustard. It, it, it's, we're now talking about a high flex solution. 
So this is really having the technology and the solutions um, where you're doing video streaming. You know, you've got people that have a choice whether they can, um, you know, don't want to be on site, don't want to be in school for whatever the reason is, but has that same experience that you would have been taught um, in classroom, um, you know, by a professor. Um, and I think this is really important. There's not a one size that fits all here. Um, there's many POCs that we're looking at. Um, it's a case of start off small um, and, and really, you know, uh, it's really giving, I would say, the student and the staff the choice of how they can deliver that content. Um, and I think that's really vitally important, by the way, and I'm, I'll, I'll put this out to the others because there's been huge casualties through this in the last year, and that's not going to go away. Job losses, childcare issues, um, you know, travel issues, that's going to continue for some time, unfortunately. So I think it's now about choice, but for the education sector to have that investment and the innovation is going to be extremely important. Definitely, there's some really good observations, Debs, and, and they definitely echo what some of our education customers said to us on a podcast a few podcasts ago. So, you know, very much in line with, with what those guys were, were, you know, explaining their challenges around, you know, asynchronous teaching versus synchronous teaching and giving people the option. So definitely yeah. really good observation. Any, anybody else, any similar observations from any of the other sectors that we were? Just in? a question I have there, Johnny, Debs, uh, very yeah. well put there, is um, how, how, what kind of feedback have you had then from students on like the user experience and things like that? Because obviously that's a huge change for them, isn't it, to go from a classroom base to actually, you know, being at home and being focused to sit, sit at a desk. You know, we've, we've done it for years, but yeah. you know, for students, they, they, they have to have that discipline. So what, what kind of feedback have you had around that? Um, to, to be honest, I think the feedback we've had there is they've actually pivoted and, and you know, adjusted very well to it, Paul. Um, and I think um, where the difficulties lie is going back to the content, the material. Um, you know, I, I think, you know, young people, um, they're very much embracing digital change and, and they're wanting that. So um, I think it's more now what we're seeing is the academics used to always push back, <clears throat> excuse me, on, you know, uh, probably adopting and using technology, but now it's very much at the forefront. So it's getting the structure, it's making things more modular um, and um, more accessible. Um, but also easier for academics to be able to um, teach students that are both in class and also, um, you know, remote. And I, and I think that's really key. Absolutely. I think um, if you think about the age of the majority of students going through university now, you know, these are these are young people who have been brought up on devices and, you know, th those that digital world has been very much part of the classroom for them, um, which, you know, it certainly wasn't for me coming through, you know, school and college and whatnot. So they're very familiar with the technology, but it was just a case of the the institutions adapting to be able to give them the choice. And and I think you you hit the nail on the head, Debs. They have to have the choice because some people still want to go into that lecture theatre. They still want to go into the classroom and they learn better in that environment. So I think, you know, giving people the choice, they can do what suits them the best. It is. And, and you know, ultimately, the outcome has got to be that whether you're in class or you're remote, you need to have the same experience, the same user experience. And I think that's the outcome of what, um, you know, institutions are trying to get to um, and and it will take investment but actually the investment is going to pay off in the end. 
Yeah, that, that moves quite nicely into, into the local and regional government space there, Debs, Johnny. And um, what we've seen, obviously, you know, this is a different generation of individuals, which we see, you know, some some people in, within councils have been there a number of years, a lot of years, I suppose, is what I'm trying to say there. And for, for them to start changing at this stage of their career, it's very difficult for some of them. And there has been a lot of kickbacks. And you mentioned there around having um the ability to work like you do within a council office for example you know so we worked with so many councils um getting you know the the teams the telephony the voice piece up you know the amount of projects that we were doing there they had them in the pipeline for say 18 months away and they were brought forward straight away you know our consultancies have been you know consultancy guys have been run off the feet really doing that and then that's been really really quite pleasing just to see how people have adapted and, and learn to to work in in, in their new way uh, and really move forward in that and you know a lot of it's around the change in adoption side of things which people have just had to you know get get stuck in with really ultimately yeah. I think, I think and, and do you the... think those people that were perhaps nervous of it in in the beginning paul now they're in this new world do you think they you know they maybe think oh why didn't we do this before you know it, it, is it a case of you know the technology it was scary but it, it was nowhere near as difficult as they first perceived it would be to to kind of pick up and use on a, on a daily basis yeah very much so and us, us as humans sometimes don't really take to change um very easily do we sometimes some more, more so than others and yeah i would say so i mean you speak to some people and they don't really have any interest in going back to back into the office when you speak to them and some of people yeah can't wait to get back in and miss the socialization of it all you know the interaction uh with with people and things like that but I think it's very much a hybrid, really, where people are looking at this and now. And, you know, I mean, what are we now, 14, 15, 16 months down the line or whatever it is? You know, what is the new world? The world is the world we're in at the moment and, and people have to adopt to it. Yeah. And I think a big part of that that they've had to consider as well is, is digital skills. If you think we've got all these people out there that, you know, supported legacy old apps and have to keep them up and running whilst also adapting and changing to this new technology and supported it so you know um, authorities and end users have had to be able to train and upskill their existing staff whilst they're still maintaining and keeping the lights on so that you know the pressures and, and strains and everybody has just been immense so, so you know what they've managed to get through in such a short period of time is it, it, it's really remarkable yeah you're right lucy um digital skills um and i think you know i think for education um forming uh, better partnerships um in the private sector um and understanding what tomorrow's um jobs and future jobs what skills uh, are necessary so that they can actually adapt the curriculum um yeah. i think that's vitally important so um skilling up um but actually that modular approach but um also that that connection with the private sector so that everything does change and, and I think we just need to keep moving forwards um, because you know what 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 are they saying four years of transformation in the first four months um, you know it's huge and if we go at this pace um, you know they're saying the jobs tomorrow don't exist yet but we need to speak to the private sector in the education sector to understand what is needed so that actually when you know graduates do you know leave university they have the the right skills and mechanisms for what those future roles look like there's, there's definitely a lot of things that have been mentioned here that i can resonate with in what we've seen in the the charity and housing market as well um you know clearly i think it's evident that the, the charity in particular marketplace has been hit quite hard but it's actually been quite inspirational to see you know when they've needed to 
drive efficiencies and, and um, realise the value and importance of partners. I think that's really something that we've seen stood out. We've been there on hand to support wherever we can. But it's definitely been a catalyst for change. Um, and it's mm. almost it's almost like a one-time opportunity to make this happen. I think a lot of the things that people maybe had on the plans for the next two, three years have just had to come to the forefront and it's made them it's made them do it quicker for the for the sake of the, you know, whether it's the citizens, the tenants, whoever it may be that they service, these things have had to happen. Um, I think something that we've also seen a lot is that um, as IT teams have had to work differently in in supporting and securing their workforce as they mobilize you know there's been a lot of opportunity around you know helping people secure their workforce in in the manner that they're in now as well yeah absolutely i think greg you you mentioned something there you know with the charity sector being hit reasonably hard by the pandemic and i remember yeah. right at the start of the pandemic we we ran a podcast with with uh someone from the the british red cross yeah, uh, charity and yeah. and what was really clear on that on that podcast speaking to people from the charity sector is how well that sector pulls together in times of need and how they all help each other and support each other Definitely, um, which yeah. was which although you know it's a shame it took a pandemic for me to realise that, but it's really great to see. Um, it is. It's an in, it, like I say, it's inspirational because they are they are a, a sector, and it's the same for the housing sector. Really, we see a lot of that as well, where they will come together and they will share experience, good and bad, to the benefit of all. Um, so yeah, it, it's you know, I mean, if you look at some of the housing, we can really see that they're reviewing their real estate. So traditionally, a lot of these organisations will have, you know, quite lots of footprint in in central um central city environments and there's a question mark as i think paul alluded to is you know do, really is this going to be a permanent hybrid operation and do we need that same level of, of footprint in city centers and i i think the answer probably is not for a lot of organizations so you know how people again put those efficiencies back into the organization to actually deliver better social value to their customers tenants um volunteers whoever it may be i think is really at the top of people's agendas i'd also say on that greg as well the the value of real estate obviously is only going one way as well you know when cross public sector this isn't it you think of how many buildings at times um all 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 entities within public sector have within you know prime real estate positions locations within major cities and that you know what what they can get get for those you know you've got to think where where are they actually going to go with a lot of this yeah yeah absolutely and ben you know you've been you've been very quiet there and and i know we could all talk about you know how how the healthcare um industry has been has been you know hit and transformed and, mm. and adapted over the last year and what a phenomenal job they've done with you know rolling out the vaccine and, and ensuring that we've got that critical care but from from a technology standpoint ben what what have you seen yeah, but it's really interesting just listening to everybody's um, everybody's you know own, own, own kind of um, journeys you know throughout the, the the last year and 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 kind of slightly beyond that. I mean, I remember um, lots of different areas of technology has been being spoken about in terms of physical kits. You know, right at the start, you know, um, when this this thing first hit, people were talking about uh, ventilators and you know trying to get parts for ventilators and you know um, working with people like Dyson and McLaren and different organizations to to try and on board uh, to create these things as a as a knee-jerk reaction to the pandemic 
um, freeing up space, you know, for, for COVID patients within hospitals, you know, trying to get those testing kits out and where they were, they were going to come from and how we created those, um, you know, overflow in terms of Nightingale's hospitals and, and trying to get beds in, into large public spaces with, with the relevant IT kit and all that kind of stuff. And then reporting services at a regional and local level, you know, um, once we had that testing facility in place, you know, how do we understand at a, um, you know, kind of a, a national level, um, where are the areas of concern? How do we report against that? You know, looking at population health, look, looking at BI reporting services and, and all that kind of stuff. And then the opportunists off the back of it, you know, taking advantage of the whole situation, the hackers, you know, um, trying to you know create threats and taking advantage of the pandemic uh, effectively, which was really sad to see. Mm. But ultimately, um, in a in a you know a lot of areas, you know, we're having you know very colourful conversations with our customers about um, almost the art of the possible. You know, what what could they do to accelerate their their journey and and get on top of uh, this thing really. Um, so there's a lot happening in the, the NHS, um, you know, in terms of acceleration um, and organisational structures, you know, creating new methods of, of working uh, to cope with the pandemic. So, you know, we were having conversations with customers to um, to spring up things like data lakes, uh, business intelligence, um, and things like agile working. I know uh, a couple of the guys mentioned that earlier, but um, you're often finding a lot of the clinicians were becoming ill themselves and had to isolate, but still wanted to to help um, you know, contribute to, to, to the effort. So, um, you know, putting solutions in place that enable them to work from home. There's a massive demand on laptops. You know, laptops are, are expensive, but, um, you know, there's a shortage of, of servers and, and other bits and pieces coming out of China because they're all made in Wuhan, you know. So trying to get that kit shipped over here is, is difficult. Trying to deal with remote working because there was a shortage of laptops was difficult. So we're quite lucky, um, you know, because we, we do a lot of, um, you know, remote working solutions uh, like, you know, virtual desktop solutions and that kind of thing have for many years. So so that was pretty cool. So um, we were able to help in that way. And, um, you know, we, we found that those kind of projects were keeping us busy. Obviously, the ability to get on site was was pretty difficult, you know, given the circumstances. But um, we were able to carry on our business doing a lot of the stuff remotely, which was really, really good. Um, so you know, trying to keep clinicians at harm's way, um, you know, so they can still contribute, um, but also trying to help people save money, you know, where they where they they could, you know, in terms of laptops and that kind of thing. Um, but adoption of the teams, you know, um, NHS Digital essentially um, paid for everybody in, in the land to have teams in, in terms of the NHS, which is really good. So they could carry on uh, with remote, um, you know, patient consultations and, and that kind of thing, document management, yada, yada. Um, but it really enabled them to, to come together and really fast track probably about 10, 10 years worth of IT roadmap in the space of about a year, which was, was really amazing to see. And um, we've also seen um, a rapid acceleration of, of things like um, jumping to cloud um, to help just be more, you know, kind of robust and future proof, you know, should this thing happen uh, in the future, which, which it likely will, you know, we'll probably have this, this new way of working here to stay, you know, moving forward. So. The next kind of stage of the acceleration for, for me and my team is, is looking at regional and local recovery, um, you know, helping people now they've got some of those tools, um, adopt and and um, learn and train them to, to utilise those tools. But there's a lot of work to be done. You know, the, the NHS is, is still, um, you know, on, on you know, the, one of the first steps of its it's kind of um, development into, into becoming, you know, something really world class, and it's, it's really good to be part of it and hear what's going on in some of these trusts and and you know help in our capacity. And uh, I think we've done a good job so far. 
That's great to hear, mate. And, you know, it's it's just phenomenal the work that you and your team have undertaken over the last year to, to support the, the healthcare systems that we have in place. So kudos to you for that. So we, we all know that that transformation can look very different. And we've talked about some of the different scenarios there across all, the, all of the sectors and, and all organisations. But what, what piece of advice would each of you give to anyone that's looking to make a change with regards to digital transformation? And, and whether that be big or small, where do you start? So who'd like to go first? Well, I think I think this year, I mean, you've got to be prepared for the unexpected, first of all. Um, you know, I think that's absolutely essential and, and really embrace technology. Um, you know, you've got to be forward thinking now. So um, I, I think that's absolutely vital. Um, um, you know, for, for us, they're very much looking at the well-being of students and staff as well. It's really important to the recruitment of staff uh, within the education. So the innovations and, and discussions of, you know, how AI and, um, you know, Power BI, how, how all of this can actually um, help and enhance the experience and, and keep the well-being um, uh, within the education sector is vitally important and, and a, quite a big priority at the moment. I'd say from the um, from the, the healthcare element of this, as we're going to see more of a convergence of um, you know just working together. Um, I think understanding what the the ICS, you know, your your regional ICS is is up to and doing. Um, so by understanding um, you know what the agenda is regionally, it's very much going to you know kind of pull into um, what you may be looking to do. You know, if they've got a wider strategy and you're looking to do something at a, at your level uh, more tactically, it may well be worth just trying to find out what they're trying to do at, at the, the regional level. Um, just so that we're, that we're not in a situation where um, you know we're 12 months down the line looking to do something else to now support the, um, the the regional strategy. I think that's that's going to be a big part of what we're starting to see across the NHS, you know, with these trusts working together. Totally agree on that front, Ben, as well. I mean, I think across public sector really is that, you know, whether it's a council will talk to a council, a trust will talk to a trust, a university will talk to a university. You know, this, this is happening day in, day out. You know, everyone should learn from their experiences and also, you know, talk to us. You know, we, we're dealing with, with multiple organisations around this and, you know, it's our bread and butter and day in, day out we're having these conversations. So, you know, always pick up the phone to us as well. Even if it's just for a chat, I would have said, well, we'll drive down and see you and have a coffee together. But, you know, it might be, it might be a Teams call at the moment and the coffee you know in a few months time hopefully <laughs> you know listen to a, so everyone speak here i think the, the the what's been clear is that the the pace of business has just really massively accelerated within within all of the public sector areas that we've covered over the last like 16 months however long it's been and i just think you know i think what's come to the forefront is that you can see technology begins to enhance that speed of, of what day-to-day -day business is done and how it's done and of course productivity is key across all areas isn't it so you know i, I do think that, that that collaboration between all areas that regional recovery those sort of things we're, we're definitely seeing i think we're probably in a unit place because at phoenix we have the teams that we do all in public sector and all have probably more of a crossover to come in in the years to come maybe yeah, I yeah. think um, I think speaking to, to to other 
um, you know, for us in, in healthcare again, um, speaking to the trust is, is really, really key. You know, a lot of our business is done on the recommendations, you know, and that's because, you know, people sometimes don't know where to start or know who to trust. Um, and, and trust is a big thing, right? You know, we've built our business on trust. And I think, you know, if I was a customer looking to do, um, you know, anything with the environment, you know, getting a bit of advice from um, a peer at, you know, another organisation is a really good thing. If they've done it and they've done it well, they will be able to tell you about that. And, um, yeah, that's fine. I agree. I mean, collab- collaboration is key. You, you think everyone's going through the same pains, points, so all trying to, you know, look at the same business processes and a lot of creating apps or finding ways to utilise technology that they've all got access to. It's just about having a look at, what you've got and maximizing that you know you getting the most value out of that and you know what are the pain points could it help you with how can you get the most out of that investment and just sort of save time and yeah it, it's do you know i think as well just the mindset has completely changed um yeah. in terms of you know moving to the cloud um you know for us that's microsoft azure um but you know when you used to talk to schools and further education that was way off um you know it was very much about refreshing the innovation was was you know they didn't have the budget but my goodness those conversations have changed now you know they're becoming a digital campus uh, college school um you know and they they want to excel so i think by speaking to strategic partners like ourselves as early as you can in an engagement, especially if you you are looking to put as much as you can into the cloud, um, because you know we can help as agnostic and uh, as we can be, um, and you know there'll be funding pots, there'll be other areas that we can um, help utilise and and really you know make the most of any kind of decision uh, for the best outcomes. So um, it is that collaborate collaboration for sure um and you know for research as well um just talking about research you know where they've been not able to be you know have the high high performance compute um is at home it's been okay but you know looking at uh, at migrating the HPC into Azure is now something of a reality um, and you know just being able to um, you know continue with their research without having um, any problems um, is, is absolutely essential so I, I think I think we're in the right direction um, and I think you know it's just to uh, keep communicating back to partners as early as possible so that um, you know we can be a part of that strategic uh, outcome really. Yeah, I think that's a really good point, Deb. So, I mean, a lot of the customers, a lot of the, a lot of the people we're speaking to at the moment, it's it's all about understanding what they've got. You know, when you talk about the investment there, you know, um, understanding what they've got under the hood. I mean, the environment outside of their network is constantly changing. You know, it's constantly evolving, and sometimes people's networks aren't. You know, and that's the thing. You know, that they'll they'll um, they'll change in some ways, um, but a lot of the time, because these are, are sprawling metropolises, these these networks that we deal with. Often it's the case that they do want to do something that's truly strategic. It's actually understanding how the whole of the organisation actually collaborates with their IT system and then trying to work with the various stakeholders within the business to actually create something that's truly strategic. So that's a big part of the stuff that we're doing at the moment, which is actually you know, trying to create the foundation for the, and the digital footprint to actually start moving these organisations along, understanding actually this is what we've got. 
this is where we want to be and gapping it, creating a gap analysis to understand what those steps are going to be moving forward. So I definitely think that a lot of people are looking inwards at the moment and that's um, that's that's a key area you know, in terms yeah. of forming that strategy. Great guys, that's some some really sound advice there. Um, unfortunately, I think that's about it for time today, but I do think we've captured some really great content and I'm really pleased you could all join me to discuss your individual sector challenges and objectives in such an open way. Have you all enjoyed your time on pod with me? Loved it, Johnny. Enjoyed it. Fantastic. Thank you. Good. I'd be glad to have you all back in uh, in a few months' time to see how we're all getting on. So, so that's it for this episode. Thanks for listening, and we hope you found it of use. Please get in touch if you want to discuss any of the points further, and if you want to support what we do, please share and subscribe. And we'll see you in the next episode of Pod. Bye.